Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Overstudies. That's right, we're back again. We are indeed back again. Episode two, season two. Let's do this. Two, two, two. Let's go. Okay. I don't know where that came from. No, you're in a <laughs> weird mood again today. I mean, two it's weeks... it's it's my brand. Two weeks in a row of just like even more chaos than usual. It's what the people tune in for. The people tune in for. I think they tune in for me and my correct opinions. Mm, I think that is deeply incorrect. Let us know why you tune in. Um, you can go to our social media at Overstudies on Twitter. At Overstudies blog on Instagram. You can go to our website, www.overstudies.co.uk. You can find a cheeky little contact form on there, or you can email us stage at overstudies.co.uk. Let us know your thoughts, feelings, if you love the show, if you hate the show, what you had for breakfast, anything. We'll listen. Yeah. Well, Becky will listen. I will probably switch off if it's about breakfast in particular. I don't do breakfast. I don't do mornings. I'm not a morning person. Oh, I am. Yeah, that's why we're such a great duo. <laughs> My name is Charlie. Mine's Becky. We are the Overstudies. We are a chaotic theatre duo from North London. Yes. Well, and I'm from North London. You're from the North. I am from the North. That is very, very <laughs> correct. In case it wasn't wildly obvious by the accent. You just act. You're putting it on. It's all, it's all a fake. It's all a lie. Yeah. If I was that good an actress, like I wouldn't be sat here doing this. I wouldn't be working in social media. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> 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 that would not be the aim. <laughs> you never know. It could be a side, side job. Uh, yeah. A second job. Uh, just between jobs at the moment. I say that like there's money in it. <laughs> It's not. He's come work for the railway, babe. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, but there's money in that. Well, <laughs> we think there is. <laughs> Who knows at this point? <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, what are we talking about today? We are talking about one of our favourite shows that we got to see in 2022, which is Come From Away, which is a, uh, a small little Canadian musical that has kind of taken everyone by storm. It's taken the West End by storm. It's taken Broadway by storm. It's a very, very heartwarming tale that I actually can't wait to kind of unpack in more detail. Yeah, for sure. It's a show that we were actually really late covers to. Like, it's quite embarrassing, really, but we only saw it in the summer of 2022. Um, and it flew out of London, sadly, at the start of January 2023. I only saw it the once. Becky sneakily got in one final time not long before it closed. This is a true story based on real events from 9-11, the September 11th, 2001 attacks, looking at the aftermath of what happens when an entire country's airspace gets closed and planes have to be landed anywhere and everywhere that they possibly can be. Yes. So this tells the story of um, a town in Newfoundland called Gander, which at one point in time had one of the biggest airports in the world before planes could kind of cross across the seas without refueling, going from one side of the world to the other. They stopped in Gander to kind of refuel, regroup and kind of set off again. Yeah, all transatlantic flights would have gone via Gander International Airport, um, which had started out as a military base uh, and then grew and grew and grew. And it's now today still there, this huge, massive airport, air terminal, 
and it's used by a handful of planes. Yeah. And during the September 11 attacks, obviously there were so many planes in the air. They didn't have anywhere to go because American airspace just shut down instantly. And they all ended up landing in this town, 38 planes, 7,000 passengers in a town that barely had that many people living in it anyway. Yeah, the population of the town pretty much doubled overnight. Of course, Uganda wasn't the only place that got planes landed. There was plenty of others as well. But what was particularly unusual about this is that Newfoundland is a small island, relatively speaking. It just simply doesn't have like the supplies to cater for 7,000 people out of nowhere. The show tells the story of how the influx of people actually impacted the town, but then also how the people on the planes felt when they were in this sudden mystery place that they'd never even heard of before. Yeah, you know, it's always difficult mashing together people from like different cultures, even when that's like planned. But to get just 7,000 strangers on your doorstep, stroke, be landed into a town full of people that you've never met, cultures that you don't know, and have no choice but to just get on with it. Really stressful, actually. Yeah. And especially when there is a quite literally global traumatic event unfolding in front of your eyes on the television and you're in a place that you don't know, that's a lot of stress to put on anyone. And I think this show does such a great job of telling that story and actually investigating like what was going through people's minds at that time. Yeah, so as we've mentioned, Come For Away then follows kind of the, the few days that happened between the first planes kind of landing and touching down and then the the very intense period of time of dealing with these people right back to when they leave and everything else gets calm again. Life goes back to normal, life goes on. And this show was playing at the Phoenix Theatre in the West End. It opened in 2019 and closed, as I said, on the 7th of January 2023. Um, Obviously interrupted by a certain little global event that we won't mention too much. But it is a show that has had so much critical acclaim. It's had two Olivier Awards. It has had Drama Desk Awards. It is a show, one of the most incredible shows and most powerful shows of the last decade. Yeah. And I think that is down to how unique it is in its storytelling and also how relatable the actual story is to a lot of people. I think this is something that if, especially if you are our age and you're kind of late 20s, early 30s, it's probably one of the most, the earliest recognizable events that you have from memory. But then it's one of those things that, how, how do you tell that story when everyone already knows it? What do you do to kind of tell that story on a different level? Well, this is it as well, is that obviously, like Becky says, I, I can really vividly remember 9-11 and it happening. And it was a very interesting time for like rolling 24-7 news where it was just there and the the trauma that was kind of forced upon people at that time as well in this kind of rolling coverage come from way takes a very different tale and instead of focusing on the actual tragedy it looks at the human lives and how they are impacted by it both the very obvious impacts the immediate being grounded what the hell is going on but also some of the longer term 
impacts that it had both on people who might have had loved ones directly affected by it or indeed people who found loved ones as a result of this experience. Yeah, it really takes away, it doesn't take away the trauma from the event, but it kind of separates that from the story that it's telling. It when it comes to 9/11 it's quite easily to fall easy to fall into the trap of telling the most horrific side of things that you can this is like yeah that happened but look what great things came out of it look what beautiful things happened look at the pure joy of human experience and human nature when it is tested and look look what we can achieve if we all just treat each other as humans. Yeah, I think Cover Away is, is a story of hope and a story of how even in the face of adversity, actually we have strength together and you can make unlikely friends and unlikely allies in those times. To rewind a little bit from where we are and kind of go back to, to sort of the theme or, or the, the story of the show without giving too many spoilers away. Obviously, we see what happens when these planes start to land at Gander. And initially, people are kept on board the planes. And then there's a lot of flurry from the townspeople of how do we deal with this? We look at finding places for them to stay, finding how they can get sanitary products, how they can get food, how they can get bedding, how they can get all of those things that we need. And then we start to see the townspeople and the plane people merge together as they get off the plane and enter into this land, this world, this place that's totally unfamiliar and navigate through that. Yeah. So we literally get a day by day account of the journey. So as Charlie's mentioned, we go from being on the plane to getting back on the plane when everyone is able to leave again. And it's very nicely structured in that each day we have a further development, we have changes, we have people growing, people changing, people learning about each other. But at the end of everything, the plane people and the residents of Gander are essentially a whole new community. They are a whole new town uh, and everyone comes out of this story a different person. Yeah, for sure. And we see that manifest itself in lots of different ways. We see it through relationships. We see it through friendships. We see it through just kind of life, really. And there's a beautiful moment in the middle of the show about becoming an honorary Newfoundlander. We're now going to ask you a question that we want you to have a little bit of a think about your answer to as we go through the rest of the show and discover more about the island of Newfoundland and the inhabitants, both temporary and permanent, of it. And that question is... Would you kiss a fish to become a Newfoundlander? I know my answer. I know my answer. We'll reveal it at the end. Yeah. This is a fun little ritual that we see halfway through the show where basically at this point, Everyone's a bit fed up. Everyone just wants a bit of normality. So they all go to the bar. They just go to the bar and get really drunk. They have a party. They have a big party, which I I think when you put it into context of what else is going on in the world, you're like, how on earth could people just have a party? But like the normality of it is what makes it so like beautiful and makes it make so much sense in the context of what is going on. I think that's it is that, you know, some of the darkest moments you need some joy and you need something that just reminds you that things get better and that things are going to be okay. You know, let's look at 
lockdowns and stuff, you know, we would have games nights. We would have effectively parties over Zoom and stuff because we needed something to keep going in those otherwise incredibly bleak times. Yeah. And this party ends up with quite a few of the plain people deciding that, you know, I want to be an honorary Newfoundlander. I want to be part of this community. I am here. This is a second home for me. I love these people like they were my own family. And everyone has to do like a ritual. And it ends with kissing a fish. The card. The card. The card. Um, And it's just such a a fun part of the show. And this is it with Come From Away. And one of the reasons why it is so incredibly special is that one moment you are laughing out loud at how ridiculous this ritual is. And then a moment later, it's all changed. And you are in one of the most tense, one of the most silent moments, the most moving moments of musical theatre. And you probably will have cried if you've seen this or if you go and see this in the future. I don't think I know a single person who has been to see this show and not cried. I was going to say me for a joke there, but I literally cried at Anne Juliet the other week. So You cry at everything. So you're not the best kind of like example here. But I mean, I cried and I up until August last year didn't cry at anything. And now I cry at everything. But when I saw this show in like July last year, I was like, actually, no, like I am, I am on like on the edge of tears, which for me is the equivalent of crying. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. And then, yeah, we see after this kind of halfway point of the the show, it's a one act show we should mention as well. So, you know, it's, it's fairly well paced. It, that first act, that soul act is quite long, but it also makes it a nice kind of manageable length and tells the story in quite a nice way. But yeah, after this ritual at the start, we then kind of see people start to get back to normal almost. The all clear is given, planes can take off again, people can go to where they're going, but yet something's missing. Yeah, I think this is quite a key turning point in the show when we start to see people leave start to go back to where wherever they were heading originally we start to see you know the town try and go back to normal but throughout the very end of the show it it's talking about how the collective grief and trauma that all these people have experienced how that has bonded them so much that when things aren't normal and good again it doesn't feel right yeah and it feels like they've lost part of something that they've built in such a short space of time that when it is gone, they're kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. And they're just like, wow, that's that that's a lot, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting and really delicate. And this is the thing as well, is that there is Comfortway is really brutal in saying describing showing that actually in life there are no happy endings and that even if there is a happy event or if something towards the end or even if for someone there is a happy ending actually bigger picture framing that framing some people's happiness against other people's loss and grief is 
really difficult to watch actually like thinking about it but is something that this show does so delicately and so well whilst also not holding back on the punches yeah i think there is actually the number towards the end of the show called someone something's missing mm. and that touches a lot on as you just mentioned like how do you celebrate something that came out of something so terrible yeah and it deals a lot with you know like survivor's guilt um and kind of how how do you move on from something that has changed your life completely how do you allow yourself to feel happiness to be you know just just get on with life when so many people have had negative experiences while you were having a positive one i think a lot of the characters talk about you know how 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 everyone was worried about them but they were actually all right they were having a good time when other people weren't and i think it's just a very beautiful way of tying the show up and saying you know despite everything being okay it wasn't really okay yeah i think you've summed that up really nicely there where it's it's kind of explaining that everyone was well aware of of what was going on but kind of the only way of dealing with it was just to ignore it almost which sounds really horrible but i know from like some of my own traumatic experiences actually the best way of powering through them is just to carry on and it's not until later that you don't that you realize that that was that was the case um and the thing with come from away as well of course like let's not forget it is based on true events not just true events real people the show was conceived kind of around 2011 on you know around the 10th anniversary when a lot of the people who ended up in Ganda came back for that anniversary and that was when the writers went out and started interviewing people and the characters who we see on the stage some of them are pretty much an embodiment of a real person others amalgamate a few different people together but these are real stories and I think that's part of why the show is so raw at times is that it does, it is so real. Like it's not trying to glamorize or gloss over the grief and the trauma and the terror that people would have been going through. It's saying this was a really scary time, but somehow we've made it through. So I think we should talk a little bit more about some of the characters in the show because we've got some pretty famous people involved in this. Yeah, as mentioned, the characters are all based on real people or amalgamations thereof. But one of the characters who does pretty much in her entirety make it into the musical is a certain Beverly Bass. Yes. So Beverly Bass was actually the first female captain of an American Airlines commercial plane ever. That's quite a big deal. Quite a big deal. Like a massive deal. Yeah. And then just happened to be flying on September the 11th and was on one of the planes that got diverted to Gander. Yeah, so she was flying from Paris to Dallas and was told that she needed to land her plane because American airspace was closed and was one of the plane people that kind of ended up living in Gander for a couple of days. Yeah, so the crews of the planes were sort of treated 
not better, but differently to the the people actually on board the planes, as you kind of expect. You know, you want your pilots to be able to take off. There was no one knew how long they were going to be there for. So you wanted them well rested, well fed, but nonetheless made friends with people and was stuck there just as much as anybody else was. Yeah. And her story actually gets its own number in the show called Me in the Sky, which essentially tracks her entire life up until how she ended up in the plane, you know, flying that particular plane. And I think it's a really special number that really stands out in the show because it also talks about, again, what, as I was saying, kind of survivor's guilt and how do you deal with something when your favorite thing in the entire world is used as the most violent thing in the entire world. Like, how do you come back from that and then still have to transport a plane load of passengers back home? Like, what? how do you process that? Yeah. And it's not even just then the immediate here and now, it's then what happens in the days after. And we see kind of through the character of Beverly Bass in the in the play, like she wanted to just get back up and get flying and keep working, like took a couple of days off, but then was back at the airport raring to go. And it was silent. Yeah. She was like, I want to go. And everyone's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, like, I don't know anything else. I don't want to do anything else. And I think that's quite courageous in itself that, you know, she was like, I, I w- refuse to do anything else. And I refuse to let this horror take the one thing that I truly love away from me. Yeah. And it's such a moving and <laughs> I'm actually getting emotional, like thinking about it, which is not surprising. It is such a moving and delicate and special moment of theatre, of this show, when you kind of see this come to life. When I saw the show, we had the incredible Alice Fernon, who was so incredibly powerful. Like she is a powerhouse of an actor, as it is. And to see the emotion and see this story come to life in just such a beautiful, delicate way really was something very special. And Beverly Bass herself is a huge supporter and huge fan of the show. She was at the closing night in London. She was at the closing night of the Broadway shows as well. Has made a really good friendship with Jen Colella, who originated the role in the Broadway production. And I think that's one of the things about Come From Way in general is that the real people who are portrayed by the show love the show. Yeah. They feel like they've been done justice by the show. It's not just where you know, they've, their story has been taken and then turned into something else. It is their story. And okay, there is a composite of some parts, some characters have been amalgamated together, but by and large, it is their lives. And I think it is incredibly special when you get something like that, that gets such a huge endorsement and a huge amount of support. And, you know, when we saw Me in the Sky, when I saw it, the audience was silent. The theatre was in silence. And that is a special thing. It really is because I feel like listening to the song on a cast recording is one thing. Seeing it in the context of the wider show, you're already you're already fragile. You're already broken by this point. And then you see it and you're like, oh my God, no, that if you haven't cried by that point, that will be the thing that sets you off. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
some of the other characters who are quite notable in the performances. The, the whole show, I should say, is multi-rolled. So pretty much everybody plays a few different characters and they come sometimes change roles throughout the show. And it is a very interesting way that this is done. There can be some quite fast paced sort of character changes and snapping in and out. And whilst at times this can sometimes be a little bit tricky to follow it's not always the clearest equally you couldn't really do it any other way without literally casting people who maybe have one or two lines as an entire character on their own so there's a logistical compromise but it certainly doesn't detract from the performance but somebody who i think we have to single out straight away and mention is the role of Beulah Davis and specifically the actor Jenna Boyd who played the part in the West End production Yes, she is a phenomenal, phenomenal powerhouse. And also the character of Bueller is just so comedic, but so kind and soft at the same time. She is, um, you know, features quite heavily in kind of like the organization process when everyone has kind of landed. She's like, right, what do we do? How do we fix this? What can we, where can we put people? What are they going to need? What are they going to eat? Like she's is, the mum of the island. Yeah, she is. She is the mother figure, but like is just such a warm and lovely character that is also just really, really funny at times. Like is one of the kind of, has some of the best comedic delivery, I think, in the show. Yeah, and and that a lot of that is down in in our experience, the version that we saw down to Jenna Boyd herself, who was just so incredible at bringing this character to life. And we were really fortunate earlier on in 2022 to sit down in a conversation with Jenna Boyd. I say sit down in a conversation with. We were sat in the audience watching the conversation, but it was so intimate, and you know it was such a special time that you did genuinely feel as if you were in conversation with her, which is, is kind of why I said it as I did. And that was at the, the tight lads show. And it was hearing Jenna speak that I think finally said to us, we need to see this show and we need to see it now. And just the way that she spoke about the show, the way that she spoke about, you know, the people, the real people there, a lot of them have met them as part of learning the roles. And it was just such a special moment. And it was also so clear to see how much the show meant to Jenna as well, not just to everybody else, like not just to audiences. And when you get performers who are so invested in the shows they're in and the roles they, they're performing, that is, I'm going to be overusing the word again and again and again, but that is, again, extremely special. Yeah, I think that's especially just the key thing that keeps cropping up about this show is that even when it when Jenna was talking about the audition process and you know like the movement calls she even said that it got to the point where she was waiting to hear back and just couldn't bring herself to listen to any of the songs while she was waiting because she was like I'd already fallen in love with the show and if I didn't get it I was going to be devastated and I totally understand that after having seen the show I'm like, you know what? I think I would have been in exactly the same boat. I would have been like, if I don't get this, my life is over. <laughs> For sure. And it's a show, like I say, I'm so pleased I saw it, but so gutted that I didn't get to see it again and again and again. And you are right though. Like there are just some beautifully powerful moments. Another one that springs to mind, there's a character called Nick Marson and another one called Diane Gray. 
who are both plane passengers. They have they were on a flight together and they bumped into each other. One of them wanted to move seats to get away from a very rowdy person, also played by Jenna Boyd. <laughs> and because of this, they strike up an unlikely friendship that blossoms. It really does blossom. And I think, yeah, this is a great example of, without giving too much away, the great, beautiful things that grow from the darkness. And, you know, these two passengers become very, very close. Yeah. And it's, it is really interesting how seeing how these kind of friendships develop and people meet new people. And there is a trepidation of, you know, new things being in this unknown country being not not fully knowing what's going on in the world like let's not forget this was 2001 no one had the same access to the internet nobody had mobile phones to the same extent they do nowadays like it was significantly harder to be connected and to know and consume world events so you didn't really have any choice but to talk to the people in the same situation as you no matter what it is that was going on and Again, it gets even from there, it still gets even more kind of interesting and exciting, really, with what's going on. Because you then realize through the party, for example, no one else knows you around here as well. So you can be whoever you want to be. And whilst that could be a bad thing, it could be a good thing, everybody does it in their own way. And you get to see through the characters how for some people this is an opportunity just to do the best you can and get on with it whereas for other people it is just a case of well I want nothing to do with this and I just want my life to be back to normal ASAP. Yeah I think that's quite an interesting recurring theme is that even despite half of the people on the plane being like embracing every aspect of being stranded it is also very honest in it saying that not everyone was happy about being here some people just wanted to get home people were asking you know how long would it actually take me to get home without flying and it would have taken like four and a half days or something ridiculous like that but you know there was and is an element of that kind of homesickness and even in the kind of uncertainty of, you know, like, can I go home? Like, what is home going to be like? The pining and the desire to just be anywhere but where they are. It could have quite easily ignored that side of things and just been like, oh, it was all great. But it's actually like, no, not everyone had a great time. They were okay and they were safe and they were well, but they weren't happy. Yeah. And it's something as well that I think our generation can even more relate to now in 2023 than we perhaps would have done in 2019. And that's the elephant in the room that is the pandemic. Because I know of it amongst my friends where when there's people who you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with and you suddenly get thrust into an unforeseen circumstance and you're having to spend a lot of time with that person, is it actually like okay you know that the, there's the the views of well you should be able to spend every living moment with the person that you want to spend your life with but equally you should be able to have space from them as well and for a show that kind of explores this in such a delicate way and we do see 
both sides of what happens from being thrust together. And yeah, it's not all great. It's not all roses, but equally it's not all bad either. And I just think the the way it balances all of these different themes and motives and motifs is really clever. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I think balance is a good kind of way of starting a discussion about the next kind of theme that I was going to touch on. And it does focus on one particular character is the theme surrounding race and kind of like other, because in this show, we do have a character who is, I think he is Egyptian. Yeah. And given the context of what was happening with 9-11, is treated very, very badly by some of the other passengers, not necessarily intentionally, but is othered and singled out as a potential threat. Yeah. And whilst through the lens of a global disaster, a global tragedy, you can kind of see why this happened. You look at it through a now in things like a post-Black Lives Matter kind of world. This is incredibly uncomfortable to watch right from the start for a good probably first half of the play. This character, whenever they are on stage, is being singled out, is being highlighted, you know, that they were detained for longer than anybody else. People avoid talking to them. You are seen, we see this character snooping around on their own, which is an incredibly clever and delicate, but also, yeah, no, just clever, delicate bit of writing because the way that it's done makes the audience feel very uncomfortable because you don't know who this person is. Yes, they could be up to something. Equally, they might not be. And then eventually, through the kindness of uh, Beulah and other islanders, we start to see a switch and we start to see this character opening up. And it turns out, actually, they just want to help. They're as scared as everybody else is. And in the same way that Beverly Bass wants to just get back up in the sky and get back on with stuff, this character just wants to do what they're good at which is cooking. Yeah. And I think this is the interesting part is that initially the idea that they shouldn't be cooking isn't necessarily even just because of who they are. It's because the islanders are like, you're a guest. Mm. You don't need to do that. But they're just like, please just let me help because what you're making is awful. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the the vibe that's going on. But it's like interesting when you position, you can see it kind of it wasn't intended to be a problem because they were just like, you're a guest. You shouldn't be helping. Yeah. I don't want, and they were like, no, actually this is causing more problems than you realize. And I think it handles that in a very, very delicate way. The writing of this show is one of its strongest points because it is addressing some very difficult and challenging topics throughout. You know, we've touched on a couple of them. We could be here all year if we touched on every single one but the way that they're all done is so sensitive and delicate another one is the theme of loss actual physical losing somebody in a tragedy and 
again, I don't want to go too much into it because I think it's one that speaks so much more, like comes to life so well on the show. But we see how people feel, how people are affected by this tragedy whilst other people are partying. Like, you know, we come back full circle to just seeing this through so many different lenses and yeah you know you go from being laugh out loud edge edge of your seat to oh my god i am in tears i need more tissues like i am distraught at the the like drop of a hat and there's not many shows that that manage that so well yeah i absolutely agree and yeah, just coming back to the idea that of how balanced the show is in that regard is that you you get everything from this show. You feel everything, you experience everything and nothing really, the only thing that takes president and that is the focus is hope. Like that is the, the, yeah. the biggest thing, but everything else is treated relatively equally. Let's focus a little bit on the music of the show now. Obviously, we've mentioned already Me in the Sky, which is one of the big numbers, but there is some fantastic music throughout the show. Yes, the music is just beautiful. And I don't know if this is the right way of describing it, but I find it very heavily inspired by kind of folk music and telling story through song because it is a song through musical you're you're not hearing the dialogue as such you're not hearing conversations you're hearing snippets and sound bites of a summary of everything that happened and i think that is the most logical thing for a show that is based around a time where you you were relying on word of mouth you know it is very heavily focused on there's no there are written accounts of this, but it's everything that happened is you are relying on the honesty and words of the people who it happened to. Yeah, the music is inspired by kind of like traditional Newfoundland music and traditional folk songs, as uh, folk music, folk songs as well. And again, this is an island that is, well, on the edge of nowhere, <laughs> but it's between Europe and America. And it was one of the first places when people were making the first transatlantic voyages stopped off at both by sea and by air. And because of that, it has got such a a meld of culture from all of these different places. You know, there's, there's some Irish roots in there. There's some Scottish roots in there. There's other European roots. There's also some elements of like kind of American and Native American sort of music and stuff in there as well. And it's really clever how this all comes together and the band is on stage. The band are just either side of the main revolve. There are times when the band come out onto the stage and are performing, notably at the party. You've got half of the people there. I think there's a moment where it's like, and one of them brings out an ugly stick. And then the actual percussionist comes out and plays the ugly stick in front of the audience. It's like, it's really nice to see the band, the performers, the musicians be just as much as part of the show as the actors. And it is all everybody together and it just puts home that sense of community and that sense of everyone's in it together. Yeah. And I, that is one of my favorite parts is seeing the musicians on stage because 
with as with folk music, the musicians are as important as the people singing. Yeah. And just keeping that as part of the entire show makes it all the more special. Yeah, it's really clever as well how the music is used to pace the show and to move between these different themes and motifs that we've seen. You know, there are shows that are used for everybody uh sorry songs that are used for everybody there are it's solo songs and it helps to tell the time you know we have welcome to the rock the opening number which sort of welcomes everybody to newfoundland we've got songs like 38 planes and also the 38 planes reprise which are one is a song of darkness and unknown and what on earth is happening whereas the other one is of hope and of looking forward and that there is a way out of what's going on here and um, obviously me in the sky we've mentioned stop the world another really beautiful kind of slower paced song that really does tell the story of these people and what's going on yeah and there's one particular song that really stands out for me and it like i'm getting chills just thinking about it and this is prayer which comes around the middle of the show and really highlights that despite mixtures of beliefs, despite what people think, how they feel, there is some kind of unity in looking beyond the immediate and looking further than what is happening around them. And that regardless of your beliefs, you all have the same thing in common. You're all just looking for some answers and some hope in it all. And we actually get to hear as part of that song, the Lord's Prayer, but also how each character, regardless of their actual religious beliefs, is saying the same thing and is thinking the same thing. And it's just a really poignant moment in a show that I think just shows that we all have something in common, even if it we don't think we do. Yeah, this is also a really good piece of storytelling that kind of hammers home some of the challenges that we, we've not touched on yet. The play is obviously, or the, the musical is obviously all in English, but not all the people and not all the planes that landed on the island spoke English. Yeah, and this is actually the use of religious texts actually becomes a way that people can communicate with each other when there is a language barrier. There's a really special moment where when the planes have landed and people are on the buses being taken to who knows where for them, mm. they had no idea. When you add in that extra language barrier between that, who who knows what could have been going through these people's heads. But someone on the buses notices that a woman is holding a Bible and knowing the Bible themselves, they're able to identify a particular verse in the Bible that essentially translates to be anxious for nothing. Mm. And I think that's a really special moment in that despite the language barriers, despite the uncertainty, there is a common theme that connects people. And being able to identify it, even if it wasn't a direct translation, the Islander knew that's what it meant. Yeah. And I'm just getting chills thinking about it. It gets me every time. And I think it is just so special 
I keep saying special. I feel like we need a counter for every time yeah. we say special this episode. <laughs> but then this is what that the show is about. And in, in a way that to kind of give you a feeling for the show, like we've just gone from Becky being really getting really emotional and getting chills about something. But then now we're going to mention the fact that my heart will go on from Titanic appears in the, in the, in the show. Yeah. Like literally about a, a minute before this happens, it's like someone's singing Titanic and you're just like, hang on a second, what is going <laughs> on? <laughs> and it is laugh out loud, funny, like this Titanic moment where you've got, and you've got drunk women like flashing outside the plane doors and stuff as well. And it is just such a silly, funny, fun thing. But then a moment later, it's like, how can we actually communicate with these people? Yes. It's very powerful. Incredibly, incredibly powerful. Time for Charlie's production corner now, I think. My favourite bit, because I have a lot to say about this particular production. So it's the first Charlie's production corner of the new season of the Overstudies podcast. For those who have not tuned in before, this is where I get very excited about some of the production values of the show, be that the lighting, be that the set design, the costume design. And this is one that we are both going to get very, very excited about. As we've touched upon, Come From Away has a revolve. We are a big, big fan of the revolve. And it's actually fairly integral to making the show so special. We've got a preset background and kind of decoration that's all just very plain but sets the scene of Newfoundland and then just some chairs yes and that's pretty much it yes and those chairs become anything you want them to be they're a bus they're a plane they're a mountain path as you're trekking up somewhere they do so much and they do so much I mean they're the MVP of the play to be honest yeah I keep calling it a play it's not a play it's a song through musical Where is that coming from? I don't know. Yeah, these chairs are brilliant because they're so simple, but the way that they get used with the movement, with the revolve, with the music, with what the the, the characters are doing brings it to life in a way that still centers the story and the stories and the music, but still makes you feel like you are where you need to be. And it's something that, you know, they could make the plane, they could make a bus and it wouldn't have anywhere near the same impact or effect. Yeah. You've kind of just stolen exactly what I was going to say there is that by keeping things simple, you don't detract away from the story at all. The, the story is the main character. You know, the, the events that are unfolding is the main character. As soon as you start to overcomplicate that, you take away quite a lot of the seriousness of the message of the show and the some the movement in moving a chair from one place to another and it being seamless and beautiful but also not a big deal is just so clever and I think the funniest thing about the conversation that we saw with Jenna Boyd was that it wasn't a dance call it was a movement call yeah and I, that is what it is. You, it's it's choreographed movement that is so seamless and special that it just I can't imagine the idea of doing it any other way. No, and even with the lighting, it's so 
subtle there are some incredibly subtle changes to help set the mood you know when it's meant to be a bit more poignant we get more dark and subdued tones when it's happier it's brighter but we don't get flashy colors it's all very kind of warm toned or cool tones rather than primary colors and things like that and again it's another one where you could have gone all out and really created each of these locations but actually again the story the people are front and center and i say a lot in charlie's production corner less is more yeah 100 percent. and again it's back to the idea of folk stories yeah you you don't you don't get to see everything through a folk story you don't get to see a fully fledged out background and just you don't get the set described to you you don't get the location described to you you just get the story and again it's just it all just fits so well together with that kind of homage to like folk stories and music yeah and then the final thing i want to say as well is costuming obviously as we touched on the show is multi-rolled so all of the performers play at least one role and yes there are limits here especially when they spend so little time off stage in a one act show you can't have massive costume changes but then the way that they are done and the costume changes that are there every single one has got a reason for it be it you know Beverly Bass putting her jacket on in kind of a little bit of a flourish um, to kind of do that or sometimes a bit more subtly whether we've got our I can't remember his name and it's really bad but our, our character we were talking about earlier on our chef who just has a little hat that he pops on for it you know these are really really subtle ways of doing these costume changes but they do make it really clear for the characters who matter which ones you are looking at yeah and as well I think because it is so simple, that's how it would, like, you could quite easily make a big deal out of people changing their costumes, but just by putting on a jacket, you don't spend too long thinking, oh, well, why have they put on a jacket? Why does that matter? You're all, you already get it. Yeah. You don't need to be told that this is a different character now. You just understand it. Yeah. And it's one of those as well that the way it's done, because it is not a big deal at all you know the the idea of let's change characters by just putting a character uh, by just changing a a jacket or whatever can in some productions that i've seen before has come across as like quite amateur or quite like kind of school production but this is not that at all it's just there it's no different to just putting a coat on because you're a bit cold kind of thing like it doesn't need to be explained it doesn't need to be justified it just flows and the opportunities that are chosen to do these transitions fit with the music, fit with the show. The whole piece is extremely tight and that works to its credit. Absolutely. And I mean, if anyone does want to see exactly what we're talking about in terms of production, there is actually a filmed version of the musical. So there's a pro shot. Do you believe it's on Apple Plus? Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Yep, so you can go and check that out and see what we are raving about. Or if you don't want to do that and you're in the UK and you can wait just a little bit, just a little bit, the show is going out on a UK tour. It is, and I'm so excited about this. And normally with sung through musicals, I would say you could probably get away with seeing, with listening to the soundtrack ahead of time. But this, I would say... If you are one of those people who does like to listen to the soundtrack ahead of time and you want to see it on tour, don't wait until you see it because 
it is a completely different experience seeing it on stage than listening to the soundtrack. It is just, it's life-changing. Yeah, this show, we listened to a couple of songs as part of the radio show. And when we then saw them in the flesh, there was nothing nothing like kind of what I imagined them to be or anything like that. Like this is one of those sung through musicals that you have to see on stage to actually get the full appreciation and the full feeling for it. The tour will be flying into Leicester to the Curve Theatre from the 1st of March 2024 on the first stop of its trip around the UK with tickets available now. However, if you are not in the UK, the show is also doing a Australia and New Zealand tour throughout 2023. There's also a North American tour that's ongoing as well, going all across the US right through until May 2023. And there may well be more to come on that. I'm not entirely sure. It's not not that clear. But if you can see it, absolutely go and see it. Like you have to. I'm excited for this tour purely because Come From Away, as as we've said, it's a show we slept on for so long, not because we weren't interested, but because it, it's one of those that if you know, you know, but from the point of view of someone, say, coming to London for a weekend has the t- opportunity to see one show, I understand why it's maybe not people's first choice just because of the subject matter, you know, you might want to come to London and go see something a bit more lighthearted. Um, I get why people might not have seen it, but by taking this out on tour and giving this show to audiences who might not otherwise get the opportunity to see, see it, I think it's so, so important. Like I have friends who they want their grandparents to see this because they think it would be you know, it'd really move them or they know people who would love to come to London, but it's just not an opportunity for them to get down and see shows. So taking something so powerful like this across the UK, I think it's, it wouldn't surprise me if that's enough to bring it back to the West End once it's finished on tour. I would be shocked if we don't see this back on the West End. We haven't seen the last of the show. Absolutely not. It's too special for it to drop off like I think this is it's taking a break I think more than anything yeah yeah the the show will absolutely be back I have no doubts whatsoever however end of the podcast yes I think we do need to wrap this up because it's again one show that we could just talk about for hours because it is so beautiful Yeah, like there is so much more we could say and so much more we could go into, but really the only way of doing this show justice is to just say, go and see it. Yeah, 100%. No matter what we say, it will not live up to the actual experience of seeing this live. No, not at all. Like I said, it's a show we miss. It's a show we definitely haven't seen the end of, but yeah, hopefully at some point we will be welcoming everybody back to the rock. Yes, and I can't wait. If you want to let us know your thoughts on Come From Away or indeed the podcast in general or anything else we've touched on, um, do let us know. You can do that by heading onto our social media, which is on Twitter. At Overstudies. Instagram. At Overstudies Blog. The World Wide Web. www.overstudies.co.uk. Contact form. Is on the website. <laughs> you can use it if you want. And electronic mail. Stage at overstudies.co.uk. 
don't send a carrier pigeon, it won't get here. We have no other means of contact other than the ones just discussed. But yeah, we would like to hear from you. And of course, we also want to hear your answer to today's big question. Would you kiss the fish to become an islander? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. No questions asked. No questions asked. Tell me which fish and how much to kiss it and I am done. Yeah, we would love nothing more. If you want to make it on a re-islanders, <laughs> it would be an honour. It truly would be an honour. So that's everything from us. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share, spread the word. Let us know if you liked it. Let us know if you hated it whatever we can do to improve tune in next week wherever you get your podcasts for more stagey content from us so that's goodbye from me becky and goodbye from me charlie and we'll see you next time bye bye